Welcome back to episode 35 of the T-Druff the Film Buff podcast. 35 episodes deep, and we only have a few more for the rest of the year. Um, So what I'm thinking is this week, of course, sadly, it's kind of going to be a trend for the rest of the year. It's just not much movie news, TV news out there right now. A lot of Twitter just reacting to Watchmen still complaining over nominations to the Golden Globes, Last Jedi reactions two years later that are somehow still affecting people's interest for the rise of Skywalker. You know, all the same old usual shit that's going on online. But um, here, here's how I see it playing out um, for the rest of the year in terms of this podcast. Um, I believe, you know, this week we're going to run through a couple things. It's going to be a shorter episode next week. Probably going to be a full deep dive spoiler discussion for The Rise of Skywalker, considering by that point, I will have likely seen it three times, hopefully, maybe even four, but probably only three. Um, That is, assuming it is as great as I hope it is. Um, Then the week after that, probably going to do a top 10 maybe top 25 maybe even top 50 movies of the year probably not that much kind of run down the favorites of a a lot of different aspects of movies and television and then the week after that which will be the first episode in 2020 god that's crazy to say uh will be the top 20 most anticipated movies for 2020 so top 20 for 2020 love the way that sounds um but this week um we're going to run out a couple things, not really anything newsworthy, because sadly, Christopher Nolan decided that, no, we're not going to release the Tenet trailer online right now. And honestly, at this point, I don't even think there's going to be a trailer online. I kind of have a feeling they're going to do this IMAX prologue, and that's going to be all we see. You're going to have it in front of, I think, only IMAX screenings of Rise of Skywalker. Um, and... I don't I don't know that we're going to get an actual legit trailer, which seems like a complete mistake um, because a lot of people are not seeing Rise of Skywalker in IMAX. But everybody's seen Rise of Skywalker. So you're going to have, what, 70 to 80% of the people seeing the movie are not going to see the trailer on the big screen and not going to you know, talk about the trailer to Tenet after they you know see Rise of Skywalker. Like, it just, it seems... A curious decision. It was one thing to have that one-minute teaser, not even really a teaser trailer, just images appearing on screen in front of Hobbs and Shaw that, of course, eventually got leaked online, which I was still disappointed that in front of my screening it did not uh, appear. I've seen the movie twice and still did, or I saw the movie twice. It did not uh, appear, but, um, I mean, what are you going to do? I just really hope no one does release it online because I will probably watch it about... 300 times over winter break here. Uh, But first thing we're going to get to is uh, the SAG Award nominations, which pretty much came out exactly uh, 24 hours after I did the deep dive breakdown into the Golden Globe and and, uh, Critics' Choice nominations last week. Um, But here we go with the uh, SAG nominations, starting at the bottom uh, from the, the article on Variety. This is the perhaps most, uh, you know, Scratch head 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 scratching nomination uh, group here. Outstanding action performance by a stunt ensemble in a motion picture. It's okay. You have Avengers Endgame makes sense. You have Ford v Ferrari makes sense definitely. Once upon a time in Hollywood 
Um, I guess, yes. There are some stunts. It's not really an action-heavy movie. Uh, Joker? Hmm? Joker? What stunts are even in that movie? What, there's one car crash? Um, there's maybe a gunshot or two. There's a couple chase scenes on foot. You know, the Joker gets hit in the face a couple times. But are those really stunts? Is that stunt... Are those stunts worthy of being nominated? It makes no sense. But the one that makes the least sense is, of course, The Irishman. Uh, So what? uh, Robert De Niro stomping uh, on the street uh, of somebody? I believe, is that Sebastian Maniscalco's death? I can't even remember now. But um, So what? That's that's a stunt, apparently? Uh, That seems ridiculous. Um, yeah, we're just going to zoom past that group because I think that it absolutely should go to Ford v. Ferrari as much as I love once, uh, or most of the love once upon a time in Hollywood and Avengers Endgame. I think Ford v. Ferrari definitely had the best stunts. Outstanding action performance by stunt ensemble in a comedy or drama series. This makes more sense to me. You have Game of Thrones, Glow, Stranger Things, The Walking Dead, and Watchmen. And of course, the article misspells Watchmen here, but that's, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, I haven't seen Watchmen. It's the only one I haven't seen out of this group. Stranger Things was kind of a letdown this year, so I don't know that it should really be nominated for anything. It's probably unfair, but uh, over the other shows, I don't think so. Glow has some great stunts, but they're on smaller scale, so if you're going to go for that, sure. Um, but I think it comes down to The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, and Game of Thrones is essentially Walking Dead on steroids in terms of its stunts and, and makeup and all that stuff and visual effects and and uh, it's like zombie work, so... Or living dead, unliving dead, whatever you want to call it. So, I I mean, I think that this actually should go to Game of Thrones. I don't know if it will, because Game of Thrones not necessarily getting the love in the other categories. But, um, yeah, I mean, why not? Give Give it to Game of Thrones here. Outstanding performance by an ensemble in a comedy series. So, this is essentially like best picture for, um, like, it's an individual series. Uh, you have Barry, Fleabag, Kaminsky Method, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and Schitt's Creek. I will always kind of lean towards Marvelous Mrs. Maisel in this uh, this type of category. Just cast in general. Um, if you're not, if you if you're putting aside Phoebe Waller Bridge's performance in Fleabag, the ensemble is very good. I just don't think it holds a candle to the ensemble in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, I just think those scenes in general are just fantastic when you have a group of people like sitting around the table and just ripping each other to shreds um outstanding performance by ensemble in a drama series big little lies the crown game of thrones handmaid's tale and stranger things um again i'm biased here i think it is you know i think game of thrones is worthy i just haven't seen the crown handmaid's tale um or handmaid's tale i should say seen stranger things of course i've seen big little lies i you know big little lies does have a pretty freaking awesome ensemble so i'm not mad if they get it i'm sure the crown is fantastic so i'm not mad if they get it either and i won't be surprised stranger things i don't think deserves an ensemble uh you know award it it is by definition ensemble i still think of those performances really warrant an actual award besides perhaps you know the couple at the top there Outstanding performance by a female actor in a comedy series, Christina Applegate, Alex Borstein, Rachel Brosnahan, Catherine O'Hara, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, yeah, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to win this one, no doubt. Outstanding performance by a male actor in a comedy series, Alan Arkin, Michael Douglas, Bill Hader, 
Andrew Scott, Tony Shalhoub. It's interesting. I, I could have sworn Tony Shalhoub was uh, nominated for Best Supporting last year, um, but I could be wrong. That's that's interesting. Um, yeah, that's tough because I haven't seen Kaminsky Method. Um, it would be fun if Andrew Scott got a win here, although I do feel like Bill Hader and Tony Shalhoub are the frontrunners. Outstanding performance by a female actor in a drama series. Jennifer Aniston, The Morning Show, Helena Bonham Carter, The Crown, Olivia Colman, The Crown, Jodie Comer, Killing Eve, and Elizabeth Moss for The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, I kind of assume that they're going to give this to Olivia Colman. Um, but, I mean, Jodie Comer is pretty freaking fantastic in Killing Eve. It's just the only series I've seen out of this. Uh, so I can't really comment on the others. Outstanding performance by a male actor in a drama series. Sterling K. Brown, Steve Carell, Billy Crudup, Peter Dinklage, and David Harbour. Dinklage wins it every year, so you feel like maybe that you lean towards him again. I feel like the buzz on This Is Us with Sterling K. Brown has kind of died down over the years, so I would lean towards that probably not winning. And, of course, I haven't seen The Morning Show, so I'll give it to Dinklage there. Outstanding performance by a female actor in a television movie or miniseries. Patricia Arquette, Tony Collette, Joey King, Emily Watson, and Michelle Williams. By all accounts... Um, Michelle Williams should win this. Uh, I've only seen bits and pieces of Chernobyl. I've seen a couple episodes of Tony Collette in uh, Unbelievable. Haven't seen the act, um, and I haven't seen Fosse Verdon yet. But apparently, Michelle Williams gives gives one of her best performances, so I would lean towards her winning it there. Outstanding performance by male actor in television, movie, or miniseries: Mahershala Ali for True Detective, Russell Crowe for The Loudest Voice, Jared Harris for Chernobyl. Jarrell Jerome for When They See Us, Sam Rockwell for Fosse Verdon. Wow, Jarrell Jerome is really freaking good in When They See Us. Um, that's a wide open category. I could see it really going to anybody except for Jared Harris. I haven't, haven't heard much buzz on his performance there. Outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture. Again, this is like their um, you know best picture award that they give. So, uh, you know, Bombshell, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Wow, I would love to see Jojo Rabbit win that. Um, I kind of have a feeling they would give it to Parasite because that that ensemble is pretty freaking great. Um, haven't seen Bombshell yet, but I do hear it's a very good ensemble. Even some of the uh, the male performances in, in that movie, I've heard good things about it. Um, I don't think they can give it to the Irishman. There's not a... No, no I'm not even going to go there. Uh, I would give it to Jojo Rabbit. But I would not be mad if Parasite won. Outstanding performance by a female actor in a supporting role. Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. Nicole Kidman for Bombshell. Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers. And Margot Robbie for Bombshell. It's interesting. Nicole Kidman's getting some love there for Bombshell. Because um, you hear a lot of buzz uh, on Charlie Theron and Margot Robbie, not so much in Kidman. Um, I the, haven't seen Bombshell or Marriage Story, so it's hard for me to comment on uh, Laura Dern or Margot Robbie and Kidman. Uh, Johansson is really freaking good at Jojo Rabbit, but Jennifer Lopez is just got a lot of heat for Hustlers, so I could see it going to either of them. Outstanding performance by a male actor at a supporting role. Jamie Foxx, Just Mercy, Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Al Pacino for The Irishman, Joe Pesci for The Irishman, 
and Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've said it every single time I've commented on the award shows, uh, and I've said it every time this has come up since. I saw the movie in theaters in July. It's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Brad Pitt's to lose here. Uh, I don't think any of these performances come close, although I still have not seen Just Mercy. Outstanding performance by a female actor in a leading role, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Lupita Nyong'o for Us, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy. I, again, two months ago, I would have said Renee Zellweger's running away with this, but it feels a lot like Glenn Close with the wife last year. Just the buzz has completely been removed. So I, I see this going to either Charlize or Scarlett, and I actually lean towards Charlize in this. Uh, outstanding performance by a male actor in a leading role with the final category here. you got Christian Bale, Ford v. Ferrari. Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver, Marriage Story, Taron Egerton for Rocket Man, and Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. Same thing with Joaquin Phoenix that I said with Renee Zellweger. The buzz has kind of died down on him, um, and I kind of see this leaning towards Adam Driver here with even an outside chance for Taron Egerton. Um, but we shall see come January 19th. Uh, okay. Let's see. Here, yeah, what we're gonna get to next, yeah. I was gonna, I think I already kind of mentioned at the top here, but the tenant fake out, um, when they created a Twitter account, what was this five days ago now? Got all excited, thought they might be dropping the trailer, and no such thing has happened yet. Um, yeah, it again, like I said, I don't know that they're gonna release anything online, it might just be, uh, might just be an IMAX prologue, which would be disappointing, but. Don't get your hopes up. Um, yeah, let's get into Jumanji next level here. Because, um, you know, there's a little, little side story of the experience I had at the theater as well. Um, so I went to go see Jumanji next level. And uh, trailers start playing. There's uh, a little bit of blurriness. But it was a trailer I hadn't seen before for a foreign film. So I was like, okay, maybe it's just this trailer. Then the Bond trailer happens. Um, then there was an animated trailer that happened. I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, then there was another trailer. I'm like, okay, this is, this is not real. Like, the, or this is not right. Uh, it's a little blurriness. And on the outside of all the close-ups of people's faces, there was this green outlining tint to everything. And I was like, what, what is this? feels like it's almost 3D. Uh, so I went out and told somebody, like, okay, all right, we'll have somebody go up there and check on it. So the eighth trailer comes around. So I told them after like the second or third trailer, the eighth trailer comes around and it's still happening. And I'm like, this is definitely not what it's supposed to look like. So I go out there again and I tell specifically this time a manager, I say, hey, I've already told, uh, you know, that there's something happening. The screen's not right. Nobody in the audience is wearing 3D glasses, so it can't be 3D. Um, but it seems like the movie is 3D. It just look, doesn't look right. Doesn't doesn't look clear. Looks looks a little tinted green uh, with blurriness. Uh, and she, you know, feels like a little condescending. But maybe I won't I won't I won't say that the first time at least. Uh, she's like, okay, all right, I understand. We'll, well, we have somebody up there now. They'll check on it. I'm like, okay, all right. But I'm like, I gotta enjoy this movie because I, I don't leave during movies, so I gotta go back and enjoy the movie. Get there, and uh, it definitely still happened in the beginning of the movie, but I'm like, all right, I'll give, some, give them some time because uh, they, they need some time to fix it. 
I don't know, 45, 50, maybe even an hour into it, I'm like, yeah, this is uh, this is bothering me a little bit. It's not ruining the experience, but it's bothering me. It's just like every time there's a close-up, the outline of somebody's body is like all slightly green and like blurry. It's like, what, this, the, it looks like if you slid a DVD into a Blu-ray player and played it on a flat screen. Like when a DVD just click, it, it looks almost worse than what a DVD looks like on a normal, like old school television. Um, and that just, that just annoys you. So I, I was like, I got to tell somebody again. So I go out, tell a different manager this time, but the manager is the same person that was kind of standing there the last time I told the other one. I said, Hey, I've already been out of here a couple of times. Movie's still happening or the movie, the movie blurriness and the, the green tint still happening. Can you do something about this? And he's like, looks at me like smiling. He's like, I think that that's, I think that's what the movie just, that's how the movie is. Like, that's what it's supposed to look like. I'm like, no, sir. I said it in the most calm way. I said, I go to the movies three, four times a week. And movies here and the other AMC never looked like this. They don't, they don't look blurry. They don't have a green tint to them. They're not like blurry when there's a big wide shot of them walking in the desert. Like that's just, that's not how movies are in this theater or any other theater. And there's definitely something wrong. And he says, okay, right, we'll figure it out. Actually, no, I, sk- I, skipped, I skipped one thing he said. Because after I said that, after I said, no, 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 I go to the movies three, four times a week, blah, blah, blah. He says, well, I work here, so I would know. What are you talking about? What, what, what are you talking about? You're, you didn't even go in the theater and check. I didn't say that to him, but I said, okay, well, can you please just go, you know, see if you can do anything, see if there's anything wrong with it. He says, okay, we'll figure it out. We'll, go, we'll, we'll send something up there. So... You know, of course, that's three different times now. I'm like, I'm not going out again. Missed about 30 seconds, no, probably more than 30 seconds, about a minute, minute and a half of the movie that I don't think really meant that much anyway, but it was annoying. But anyway, let's get to the actual movie because the problem was never fixed at all. But let's actually talk about the, the movie because I thought it was great. I thought it was a blast. Um, the first movie's a, a freaking blast. Not a fan of the original movie, but I'm talking about the first movie with The Rock and Kevin Hart. It's a blast. Uh, and I thought that this one was too. And I thought they did a good job of writing the characters, um, new, new lines of dialogue that ultimately mean the same thing that they did in the first movie. Like the first movie is ultimately a movie about friendship. So is this movie. Um, it, it, even more so, it's about like growing old and growing away from your friends. Like that's that's some stuff that you wouldn't just expect. Um, you know, it, it, just your average action movie to tackle. You know, we're not talking about Fast and Furious movies here, right? I mean, no, I kid, I kid. Um, but I, I really, I, I liked, I thought I would hate it, but I liked the Kevin Hart old man voice and, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson's uh, take on Danny DeVito's voice. I thought it was really funny for most part. And I thought ultimately it was a, uh, it was a worthy sequel. And I think that that's old, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a worthy sequel, and I think Jumanji Next Level absolutely was that. Uh, so you know, applause go to Jay Caston, and uh, I hope they make a third one. Which I, judging by what they did at the end of the movie, I think they definitely will. And you know, no shock here, Karen Gillan absolutely kills it. She is one of the best. I uh, also saw Dark Waters within the last week. It's the Mark Ruffalo, you know, paper investigating lawyer movie. Um, yeah, no, it was good. It, it it was good. It was very well done. 
Um, wasn't anything that blew me out of the, the water. Kind of like Todd McCarthy. Todd McCarthy? No, I'm thinking of uh, Todd Haynes. Todd Haynes. Uh, didn't blow me out of the water. Kind of like Todd Haynes' last movie, uh, Carol, with uh, Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett. Just, it's very good. It's, it's not great. It's just very good. Um, you know, and I, I'd, I'd recommend it, but it's, it's, it, it's, it's not going to be up for any awards. Um, it's certainly not as good as Spotlight, Mark Ruffalo's other investigative journalism type movie. Um, but it was good. I also saw Black Christmas on Saturday. Uh, that movie was entertaining. I'm not going to use the word good, um, but it was it, it was worth my time. Like I, I wasn't mad I saw it. Um, there's a couple of quote-unquote twists in the movie that you expect from the very beginning, and it's one of the most unshocking things you can uh, possibly imagine happens. It's like, yeah, I, I absolutely knew that was going to happen. Uh, no shock there. So, you know, ultimately the writing's not great, uh, but I just really love Imogen Poots. I mean, she is she's really, really good, and I don't know why she doesn't get bigger opportunities. Why isn't she in a Marvel or DC movie or a Star Wars movie at this point? Uh, she is just that good, and, and she is, like, really young, too. I mean, she's playing, like, a, a, a college kid in this movie, and I can't imagine she's more than 25, 26. Um, okay, so, wow, she's 30. I'm completely wrong. Um, but yeah, how, how has she not been in one of those big movies yet? That's blows my mind. I don't, I don't understand that. Um, so black Christmas, dark waters, Jumanji, uh, been watching a couple other things, but, um, I guess I can, I mean, I wrote it down. Did we need to mention Hawk Carlson made the hall of fame? Absolutely. We need to, cause the guy shaped my childhood watching of the white Sox, uh, and sending my congratulations to him, even though. At this point, you know, I think after the last, like, five, six years of him being the broadcaster kind of soured my love for him a little bit. I think he just got annoying and he just felt like the old man, grumpy guy in the booth after a while. Uh, but I still found him very entertaining and hilarious, like, even though he unintentional, you know, at times, most of the time. But he was he was dang good for a long time. He was really really freaking good, and it's deserving, at least in my opinion. Last but not least, we have a, a big week here with Rise of Skywalker. Three days away, and I got three movies left in my rewatch. Uh, about a month ago, I watched Phantom Menace. Yeah, just as boring as I remember. Attack of the Clones, same thing, just as boring as I remember. Watched that a couple weeks ago. Watch Revenge of the Sith about a week ago, I think, ish. Um, I know you've been a week ago today. I watched that movie or tomorrow. I don't know. It's two weeks ago. I don't. I don't know. Uh, and, and and you know, I mean, Revenge of the Sith is clearly the best of the three prequels, um, with some really really fantastic stuff in the second half. Just Anakin's transition to being Darth Vader is ridiculous and laughable. Uh, but, of course, the reason why I did the rewatch that way is because I wanted to finish with the five, you know, pretty much best movies of the series. Uh, and that's the original trilogy and the two newer movies in the trilogy. So I watched The New Hope the other day, watched Empire yesterday, um, just as good as I remember. Empire is it may be the best made film, it's just not my favorite because my favorite is the one coming up that I'll probably end up watching tomorrow, and that's The Force Awakens. Um, 
So yes, that's where we're going with that. Uh, I'm on Return of the Jedi tonight, probably Force Awakens at some point tomorrow, tomorrow night. And then Wednesday night, we'll finish it off with The Last Jedi before The Rise of Skywalker on Thursday. Uh, so that's going to pretty much do it. As I said last week, hopefully by this time next week, we're going to have a, a tenant trailer online ready to go, ready for me to rewatch about 30 to 50 times in one day. And of course, we're going to have Rise of Skywalker to talk about. So a lot of things happening, but uh, that's going to be it. That's the show. That's it for episode 35 of the Teaser of the Film Buff Podcast. See you later.